Welcome to Full Scope, a podcast with two guys in their 20s, giving their perspective on the games that we love, headlines in pop culture, and the meaning about it all. I'm your host, Wendell Burns, along my counterpart, Savon Morris. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good, man. Let's talk about some sports and some... Talk about it. Some reviews, man. I'm pumped. Some reviews, man. I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah, man. Definitely. Well, we have a lot of topics to get into. So, obviously, some, some thoughts on the, on the playoffs, some album reviews, and in the second half, we're going to do a review of the new Doctor Strange movie. To start with just thoughts on Miami's strong second half response in the end of their game one win and you know, Jimmy Butler's spectacular performance. Um, this past Tuesday night, Miami was able to win 118-107. to 107. Jimmy Butler had 41 points, scoring 27 of his 41 in the second half. Um, Tyler Hero and Gabe Vincent also added 17 in the heat, um, outscored Boston 39-14 in the third quarter. And, you know, for the Celtics, you know, they were without two of their key players in Marcus Smart and Al Horford. And obviously, like, like that, that was a contribution to some of their struggles. But in terms of how good Boston looked in the first half and then what Miami was able to do in the second half and what Jimmy Butler was kind of just able to, how he was able to put his imprint on the game. Uh, what, were, what were like some of your takeaways for, from this one? It's like, <laughs> like a cheat sheet, really. You know this team, yeah. you play good, you always play good against this team. There's a mismatch even when you put Jason Tatum on him. Jalen Brown doesn't matter. He's creating mismatches and he's getting to his points. Uh, and, and it looks so smooth. He looked good on both sides, front court, back court. He's still in the ball. I think he had three or four steals. He's getting that two-way performance. Two-way performance. Jimmy Butler has life in those legs after all. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it, it looks good, and it's good for Miami. He obviously, uh, for their veteran guy to lead them into uh, trying to go to the NBA Finals. And you look at Tyler Hero, too, at 18 points. Uh, game Vincent had 17 for the Heat. They outscored everybody 39 to 14. That's what you that's what you look for from your bench as well. The guys coming off, you're starting five. Everybody's everybody know we're gonna we're gonna get things going, but what can we do off the bench where we put certain guys and different in different packages in to make sure we keep our guys healthy and keep things running smooth? So hats off to the Miami Heat and hats off to Jimmy Butler, man, playing lights out basketball. And he's letting his play do the talk. He was like. First, he was talking about the 76ers. Who over me? What? Tobias Harris over me? You wanted, you wanted to not give me my contract. Now he's showing everybody he's still the top-tier player in the NBA. Definitely. And, and I mean, with with how Miami has, has been able to, to, to see Boston in so many playoff series, and even like two years ago, they were against them in the Western, Eastern Conference Finals. Like, like, how much does the familiarity matter in terms of like being comfortable against a team? Because obviously, like, this is going to be – this can still be a long series. But Miami in that second half, they seemed a lot more comfortable and something just clicked within them. I think going against a team multiple times is always beneficial. <laughs> we look at, yeah. at the, the numerous uh, rivals that we have in the NBA, from Lakers to the Celtics to the Pistons to, uh, uh, you know, Chicago Bulls in, in, in the late 90s and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. And that translated into the new era. Playing a team, you know their pattern. You know what they want to do. Jason Tatum. Normally, do they they run all the offense through Jason Tatum, and yeah. he's not going to make great decisions every single time. He's going to force that's shots. Why need, that's why you need a facilitator like Marcus Smart. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so I mean, he was out game one. Um, yeah. But I do think they they know the pattern of the Celtics. They they know similar like similar similar things they do uh, each time. And I think that is beneficial. And then you have the veteran presence. I don't you know Al Horford is still the veteran presence for the Celtics. But I think when you run the offense through one particular player, it's kind of, okay, we already know Jason Tatum's going to have the ball in his hand. Is he going to dish it? We all know he's not consistent in making great great decisions. When he does, he's he's high tier like we talked about last week. 
But yeah. having a team that plays another team consistently and we beat them, we know how to beat them. I mean, that's the the most important thing. We know how to beat this team. It's still the same team, you know, inadvertently. Yeah, they added some players. Some players are better, like Marcus Smart is, is you know, you know, conforming to this all-around point guard, which is, you know, rare to see in a guy late in his, his career. But yeah. it's good to, you know, play a team that you know you can beat and you know things about them. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I mean, like, for Boston going forward, like, especially because Marcus Smart, I, I, he's not even going to be available for, for tonight's game as well. He probably will, will be back for game three. Like, in, in terms of them kind of having, like, a more complete performance because you need guys like Peyton Pritchard uh, to shoot well. Also, um, c- c- different contributors other than Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like, do you feel as though sometimes, like, that's the problem with Boston is that they get so hung up on, you know, running the offense through Tatum that other players kind of just like just stand around and, and are not as productive in the offense. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it, it, it doesn't help having your veteran president, Al Horford, out, who's, who's, who's big on second chances and getting the, you know, getting offense and defense around, uh, rebounds. It, it, you're missing out on that and the market smart, uh, you know, defense of element. So, but I do think you, you need more guys to contribute uh, to the flow, uh, flow of the basketball game. Like, you know, Everything cannot go through Jason Tatum. I haven't seen them run plays in in the first game. Everything was funneled through Jason Tatum, and then the, maybe they'll do a pick and roll or two with with Jalen Brown to get him get him open. But it's not it's not a consistent enough. And Jason Tatum has to make better decisions consistently. I think that's going to be the difference maker in Game Two. They know what we're going to do. Okay, I have to make better decisions if the ball is in my hand. I cannot force shots. I have to get my guys open. The bitch has to come off. I am. I, I do like Pritchard off coming off the bench. He gave him eighteen points yeah. and five rebounds. He was, he was solid. That's really good. It, with the two injuries, the bench playing good, and what's everything is left is Jason Tatum making better decisions, and and every I think everything will fall suit. But hopefully, and and even even a guy like Grant Williams, Grant Williams can, can have big performances performances as well. Like like we saw in Game Seven, like he was lights out in that in, in that game against Milwaukee, but. You also you're you're also gonna need need that to translate even in a series on the road against Miami. Oh, for sure, and you have to get him involved more. If he yeah. was lights out in Game Seven against a great you know good basketball team without one of their best guys, and he only has seven points, you know, and two assists, mm-hmm. you have to give him more involved. If if I think you have to get the entire starting five involved. And I think that's going to change as Al Horford comes back and Marcus Smart gets back into the lineup. Things are going to change a little bit and they'll give them a, a boost. But the main thing I'm, I'm looking for, I've seen for both series or starting in this series, Jason Tatum has to make better decisions with the ball. And if you're going to funnel everything through me, I have to get my guys open. I'm the point guard now. So I think if he improves in that area really fast and his turnaround is really fast in game two, it's going to be a good series. But if they don't, Jimmy Butler and those guys are going to take over and they're going to, they're going to put a whooping on them. <laughs> um, and, and now getting into to, to Golden State's just commanding performance in, in game one against Dallas, um, the Warriors were able to have a, a 112-87 win at home and Steph had 21 points along with a game-high 12 rebounds. Uh, Wiggins also had 19 points, and Jordan Poole had 19 off the bench. Um, but but to you, like, what are your thoughts on just, like, how collective of a, of a performance this was for Golden State? Because when you look at the first half, Steph and Clay weren't shooting well at all, but you had guys like Kavon Looney and Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins really stepping up for mm-hmm. them. And then in the second half, 
that's when when your main guy started to, to, to pick it up as well. Like, what were some of your initial takeaways from this win and, and what Dallas can do going forward in game two to, to improve? I think Dallas is tired. Yeah. I they think look drained. They look drained the first game. And, you know, obviously <laughs> the Warriors have been sitting and waiting for who's going to come. They're thinking they'll get the Suns, and now they got the Mavericks. And I'm pretty sure that didn't change their game plan at all. But now we can do certain things that the Suns want to allow us to or allow us to get to a certain point. It's going to be extremely more difficult to get to our shots and you know, do some of the things that we normally do. They had a field day. They can take advantage of certain yeah. things now. And you look at those get Those guys were gassed. Extremely yeah. gassed. You can tell the energy was off. Luca wasn't Luca. He wasn't talking smack like he normally does. He wasn't in his zone. He only had 20 points, you know, four, you know, seven rebounds. That's normal. He get that, you know, just standing on the sideline. Yeah. <laughs> so you could tell. So I'm hoping they got some energy. They got their Michael Jordan water or something, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the infamous Michael Jordan water. <laughs> the water they had in Space Jam. I hope they got some of that. And they get, to, and let's make this a series because we know they, Warriors have a bench. And we've seen these it's, guys. It's showing. It's, it's showing. showing just so much. Oh, for, oh, for sure. It is showing. If your top two guys are, are not hot, that's what I love about a good basketball team. My top guy, it's the next guy up. Next man up. Yeah. Who's up? Who's going who's gonna to bring it to him? And you get 112 with your top guys not shooting as efficient as they normally do. That's crazy. That's, that's ludicrous, man. That's, that means you got money to go get players and you find the right. Their scouting is superb. We don't give the Warriors. And I think we, we talked don't. about this uh, either last week or week before. They have similarities in players that they had when they went on those, those runs and beating people and sweeping. You know what I mean? They had similar players. Back in 2015. Yeah. And even 2016, honestly. And they they're scouting. They're they're up. Your front office is really good about getting guys that are going to buy in and fit into the system and what uh, what Steve Kerr has. And they do a phenomenal job. So it's going to be what I've seen. That's what I've taken. Mavericks were gassed. <laughs> Steph Curry them was probably bored. It was like ah, I don't need to shoot this. And then the other guy stepped up and, and made plays. That's literally yeah. what I got from that. <laughs> that game bro. <laughs> it was so energyless it was no energy for the Mavericks it, it really wasn't and I mean especially when you see like them lock in defensively because there was at one point in the fourth quarter with like eight minutes left the Mavericks only had 69 points and Draymond was stepping up defensively I, I, I obviously like, we, we've seen him be have so many elite postseasons in the past in terms of in terms of his defensive presence and even what Clay is able to do is that to you like what really separates the Warriors is when they can lock that like lock down defensively and and really kind of neutralize what a team is comfortable doing? Yeah, that gives them the room to run and transition. That's their mo: run and transition, sneak guys to their spots, and bang a bang bang a biggity bang. That's what they. When do. I was watching it, I literally said like, if they're running, it's over. It's if over. They, if, if it's running, gun, it's over. You can't stop. Them. They have stamina. That's their mo. They've been doing that since Steph Curry. Well, Steve Curry kind of took over. You know, Mark you know, Mark Jackson had a good system too. I give most of this credit to he Mark. He set the Jackson. foundation. He found set yeah. the foundation and got guys. He believed in those guys, especially Steph Curry. I mean, not Steph, Steph Curry, not Steph. He believed in Steph too, but from a distance. <laughs> <laughs> Steph Curry too, and he implemented. But anyway, like 
them guys love to run and get yeah they, yes. they run plays like no other but their best when they're at their best they're running in transition that's when they're at their mm-hmm. best so do not get them if they get some steals it's over because everybody runs big man looney runs uh uh draymond always run he always gets to the ball he sometimes bring the ball down the court that's what i love about draymond it's not that, the, the the biggest shooter. He knocks some shots down when he needs to, but he has the hustle. Yeah. He's a hustle guy. And you love those guys around. So, yeah, man, it's going to be a long series and they don't catch their breath. I know you went to game seven, but now you're in another series when them boys are ho- as hungry as, you know, the Suns were. Now you got to turn around and face a similar team. Can you do it? Mm-hmm. Luca? Luca, can you do it, man? Luca? Can you do it? <laughs> Um, and, and now kind of interesting to, to just thoughts on the like the massively disappointing Game 7 loss for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. This is a team that for most of the year we, we saw really be dominant, mm-hmm. having 64 wins. And um, them losing by 33 and Chris Paul and Devin Booker just not having the same type of performances they usually have was was really a sending thing to see. And, and, and definitely what we saw from Luka, him stepping up was was kind of like one of the biggest takeaways. But to you in terms of, of what this loss means for Phoenix going forward and even for Chris Paul, who who is still trying to get that that first ring. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from that Game 7 loss? I'm baffled, bro. Like, yeah, man. I don't understand what happened. The <laughs> I've never seen something like that in a long time. Me neither, bro. There are prime to go to the NBA, at least the NBA Finals. The 27 <laughs> points in the first half is what really gets me. <laughs> so this is this what kills me. This is what kills me. Three injuries came up after they lost. Devin Booker was hurt. DeAndre Ayton was hurt. Uh, I think it was another guy coming off the bench was hurt, said he was hurt. If they were hurt and they were playing through the injury, why not say nothing then? Yeah. Why say something after you lost the game? Why bring it up now? Why, yeah, exactly. To lighten the blow, you're still out. <laughs> that doesn't... Yeah. You think they care they beat a uh, so-called wow. injured team? <laughs> Absolutely not. This basketball, everybody plays injured. Everybody's plays through pain. But what I saw the most, Devin Booker has not stepped up yet. And we talked about we that. Kept, we kept saying it. We, we kept saying it. We kept saying it. It's Devin Booker's time. Some people are born with the killer instinct. Some people have to inherit the killer instinct. You worked with Kobe Bryant for multiple summers to try to get that killer instinct. Evidently, it didn't work. You don't have it. If you're not born with it, you got to work for it and you got to, you know, and, and get it some way, but he doesn't have it just yet. Chris Paul didn't step up either. 10 points, one rebound, four assists. What well, we just called this man the point god. The point god. He's a demigod. Wait, wait. Wait, what are we doing here, Wellington? <laughs> the highest points came from the bitch. That was from Johnson. 12 points. They let up. A lot of people say they, you know, they, you know, they gave up the game, but I just think whatever got them there wasn't enough to sustain them to beat that team because Mavericks was hungry. They were hungry and Luka went off. But moving forward, they still have the same pieces. They they can win with that. They could get to the NBA Finals. It just yeah. takes Devin Booker having that killer instinct and being the guy that everybody wants him to be. 
this same team can come back next year exactly as they are and still have a shot. Yes. Like, still. They have a squad. <laughs> and that's why it was like, yeah. Baffle, like, what? You, what? I was waiting for them to, 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 to turn it around at some point, honestly. Like, I, I, there were so many points in the game where you felt as though they would go on a run, but it just never, it never came about. It never did. And we've praised this team for... Their ability to run plays, CP, there's a facilitator. He, he does all these great things. We didn't see it. They they were shooting terrible from the field. I think their field goal percentage was below 30%, which is odd for them. Three-point shots, non-existent. One of your best players played 36 minutes. He had 11 points. It all, and I blame all of this on David, Devin Booker. You are the guy. You are the guy. There's nobody else. This team is prime from you. So I, I I don't know, man. They still have the same. They they have a good team, but they have to get over that hump. They have to figure out how to get over that hump. And I don't think adding or and this team looked better than even last year's. Yes, that, that's really the the, the confounding thing yes. about it. Because when you look at them throughout the season, they were playing better than even they were when they went to the finals. I yeah I, yeah I don't understand, it, bro. It's, we're, we're puzzled over here. Yeah. We don't. We don't get it. We don't have Scratching any. Scratching <laughs> the head. I don't understand. Um, but now we're listening to Milwaukee's kind of future outlook and, and also them coming up short against Boston uh, this past Sunday. Um, with them, I, obviously, like they they were the they were the, the defending champs. They didn't have Chris Middleton. Um, you know, lost convincingly against Boston on the road. That the, the first half was was much closer. But in terms of some of the, the things that didn't go right for them this season, even in the postseason, mm-hmm. how much of it do you attribute to like not having a player like Chris Middleton? Or do you think it's one of, one of those things where they were kind of just matched up against a better team that kind of had, you know, mm-hmm. ju- just more offensive issues <laughs> and, and kind of was able to pull off a, a really impressive uh, home win? There's a high percentage that they didn't, they went game seven, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the difference would have been Chris Middleton because you look at, you say, oh, the next man up, they, Extended or extended their money to three or four players. Yeah. Holiday, Middleton, Giannis. With those three guys, they can win for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Middleton brings that that bang bang that they were missing from the three-point art. Yeah. And he's a good defender as well. So if Giannis is getting Giannis didn't have anybody to dish the ball to who's consistent to hit it from the three-point art, <clears throat> that's what they were missing. People fear Chris Middleton's shot. That's why he got paid the big bucks after they won the NBA Finals. There's a high percentage if Chris Middleton was there, they would have not went to Game 7. They would probably went to 5, probably 5. I'll give it 5. Then they would have kind of struggled down. Not struggled, but met their match down the road. But since they didn't have Giannis can't... I told you Giannis can win two, three games by himself. Like, literally by himself. Yeah. Convincingly. Yeah. But without the, without the, the attic piece... It was one on five. Yeah. It was one on one on four. Yes. <laughs> like, like they were still able to build a wall, and they knew what what yes. Milwaukee was going to do because they didn't have their other players. Yes, and they got physical with Giannis. They got real yeah. physical. They they had a good plan against them, and they did not miss. <laughs> they did not miss. Tatum went off. He he didn't miss. Um, Jalen Brown was playing good. The actually the bench looked good. So I think if Chris Middleton was there, he would take some of that pressure off and they have to respect Chris Middleton. There's no way you can leave Chris Middleton open Chris Middleton open and think he's gonna miss. So I think it would have been a different series. 
but they got that far without him. But you you can tell that they needed him there for his front court and back court presence because he's a two way guy. Yeah, and, and I mean, even looking forward in the East of, of, of like of like kind of the, the trajectory of like certain elite teams, like do you think with Chris Middleton back next year and with this unit that Milwaukee has, like they could they could possibly go on another Finals runner or get back for to sure. the Finals for sure? Yeah. They still have everybody contract. They still have um, a bunch of guys that um, will, will come back and be role plays. They have a solid team. They had a couple oh, yeah, guys sure. out actually, besides Chris Middleton. So when those guys come think, back healthy, I think Dante D, Dante Vincenzo as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You just took the word for. I was looking at the list of guys who were injured, <laughs> and it was Chris Middleton obviously on the first one, then him. So with those guys being out, obviously it's next man up, but it's kind of hard to say next man up when. They spent all their money on, you know, three or four guys who are very vital to the basketball team. But it's still next man up. But I think once they get back, they're still a top three team in the East. Still yeah. top three team, solid team. Giannis is getting better. He's getting more confident. Every year, man. Every year. Every That's year. what you... It's, it's going up. That's what you want. I'm what so you want. impressed. It's not staying stagnant. Yes. That's you grow every single year. Like, he's not... He's doing moves. He's doing jump shots. Obviously, he's going to stake one step and be at the rim, but he's he, he's adding more he's things. He's got a bag. Giannis has yes. a bag now. Yes. has a bag now. We yes. say he didn't, but he's got one. Now. It's from Greece, too. It's from his made in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and now we're joined by a special guest once again, Maurice Hendricks, a longtime friend of the show and uh, and, and consistent guest. Thank you so much for being back on, bro. What's up, man? How y'all doing? Doing good. And for, for this uh, segment, we have a, a lot of album reviews to get into. And to start off with um, Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, uh, in this album, Kendrick, you know, ties personal pain to collective trauma and, you know, highlights his struggles for, for mental health, seeking therapy, and, you know, going through a two-year stretch of writer's block and in, and in tracks like in 95, the tone of his delivery changes, you know, just so dramatically and in worldwide steppers, his, his words rattle out, out, out at such a pace that, you know, threatens to race ahead of, of the backing track. But to, to you, Maurice, like looking over at this album, what were kind of some of your initial thoughts on it and just, you know, how it was just extremely personal and revealing compared to some of his other albums? Yeah, dude, first listen, I was like, like, first off, let me say, man, this album was so different than everything else that came out this year, bro. Like when I heard it, I was like, you know, this is Kendrick, you know what I'm saying? This is this is what I was waiting for. Cause bro, lately I've been so bored with music lately. Um, just because everybody's putting out mid projects, you know. But Kendrick, you know, he came, he delivered with uh with this album. And yeah, man, I, I really thought he got super personal with this one and did like an introspective look, besides like his other albums being more like uh an outward look to like the to like black culture. And like society as a whole, um, and analyzing the current situation of black culture. Whereas this album, he definitely like went more like introspective, looking at his own problems, his own issues that he has to deal with. And I think that that's what this album was really about is like highlighting that and like how he like can overcome like his personal trauma. Definitely. And, and I mean, in terms of just like how much time he took off and then getting a quality, you know, just an extremely quality project like this one. Like, to you, Maurice, like, do you feel as though hearing it now, like, you can kind of see, like, why he was taking so much time off and and just the thought process he was going through, like, through this? Because this was, like, very heavy material and something that you couldn't just sporadically put out in, in one or two years. Yeah, for sure. 
you know, I think one of the things he even said in his in his uh is in one of the songs, he was talking about how he had writer's block um for like two and a half years, three years basically, right after he wrote Damn. Um he he had writer's block. And I think that was like due to the fact that he knew that he wanted to talk about this stuff, but he didn't know how to approach it because you know, we're so used to hearing him being so outward looking that like hearing an introspective album from him, you know, it would have to come like with a different formula. He would have to like approach it differently. Um, but I still felt like this was Kendrick. This is like, I hear Kendrick like through this project, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think he did a really excellent job of like looking introspectively and like portraying that in an interesting way where like you have interesting songs, good sound selection, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, in terms of, of this album and, and what Kendrick was putting out, what were like some of your initial takeaways on it and, and just, you know, this is a this is an album that that it's it sounds so different than some of his past ones, but he he it seems like he's in a better place and was able to to just be fully transparent and vulnerable in this one. Man, well worth the wait, worth the wait. How he put this together and had Kodak kind of narrated in a way. First of all, shout out to to, to Kodak, bro. He went up in yeah. my book for this one. Yes, went up. He actually was a lyricist. He had bars. He really gave me a different side of him. But Kendrick, bro, Kendrick really is so creative. His creativity is unmatched. And I see why he went through those writer blocks and like reset, not knowing how to approach it or how to convey it in the music because it's extremely difficult what you got in your head to actually make it, um, you know, engaging and listenable. For him to take that long, it was well worth the wait because every song for me hit. Like this album yeah. was, and I made a I made a statement to Wellington last week before uh, we started a podcast. I said Kendrick went to my number one after this album. I know, I heard you. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. news. Kendrick <laughs> went to number one, bro. Is his creativity is unmatched? Yeah, unmatched, and his vulnerability. Him, it's hard to do this. Put these into like yes, into dude. like form songs, bro. And then like I'm skipping ahead, but some of these songs I was like listening to when I was working out. I was like, bro, is this not? This is so much real life, especially the toxic song. I'm not gonna say the real song because I'm gonna skip ahead. But that yeah. was so toxic. <laughs> I've been through that before, so just <laughs> listening to that, I'm like, bro, this is realistic. But nah, this album, bro, best album of the year. Whoever tries to to get this, get past that. Good luck, anybody. He's yeah, the tough. boogeyman, bro. Tough. Kendrick's the boogeyman. <laughs> Bobby Yeager, whatever John Wick is called. <laughs> whatever description. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, for, for, for you, Maurice, like looking back at this, like what were some of the standout tracks that you had in it and, and the ones like like that were your top ones or, or, or replayed ones? Yeah, dude, definitely the Father Time with Sanfa, man. Yes. That whole vibe. That's, dude, Sanfa, I don't know what it is, but he always just has that touch, man. Yes. Um, I that beat was just amazing. Production was amazing, and obviously the subject was super important. And I'm glad that he was talking about it. And then, um, I obviously love uh Purple Hearts with like mm -hmm. Summer Face Walker and Ghostface Killer. I think that song is actually slept on. A lot of people slept on it. It is. That yes, album. it is. Um, but I thought it was a really solid song. And then obviously Silent Hill. Everybody talking about that one the most. I think. Yes. Because it has the the Kodak feature, even though he's like featured throughout the project narrating, but like. Um, yeah, I, I, when I heard it the first time, I'm like, yo, 
uh, Kodak honestly had better yes. verse than Kendrick Brown. <laughs> no, yeah, I was thinking that When I tell you that Kodak delivered on his part, man, he did an excellent job. You know, with like meeting Kendrick's standard, and I think that's why he chose to like yeah. feature him so much on this album. And so, um, so yeah, I think those are some of that's my a lot of trust. That's a lot. Of, Kendrick yes. had a lot of trust in him to put him on that many yeah, songs. Yeah, man. And I've seen so much stuff about you know. You know, uh, Kodak going through uh, the canceling through, like because of like the the charges that were brought up against him for the um, assault that he did. Um, and so one viewpoint I've seen is like, oh, people are like mad at Kendrick and like trying for to cancel him Kendrick, on. yeah, for like putting Kodak on it so much, knowing that this album is like about trauma. So one of the things like Sean C has been like talking about is like, oh, like how could you give the person who is the abuser, like, a platform, like, to, like, speak when, like, you should be, like, talking for the voices of the abused rather than the abuser. But I think the important thing to know is, like, like, with this, um, obviously, like, Kodak, he pleaded guilty in that case, and I don't know, like, this, the, all the details behind it, so I don't want to speak on it. Um, but, like, I think what Kendrick was trying to do and why he... Um, gave so much power to Kodak is because he's trying to like, like, um, like give him a platform if he was like blamed wrongly, for example. So he's trying to like speak to that side of like trauma as well. Like there's trauma on both sides. Like if you're someone that's like being accused of that and you didn't commit it, you know? Um, so I think like the whole, like people being angry at Kendrick for like putting Kodak on, I think that should just stop, you know? And like they should take a bigger like look at the whole picture of like why Kendrick chose to to have him on. Yeah, definitely. Um, for you, Savon, like what what were some of your standout tracks and the ones that you kind of feel were like your your top rated ones? Ooh, N ninety five. Well, United and Grief was a great intro song. That's, that's, mm. a, that's a, a phenomenal excellent song. intro. Yeah, uh, Father Tom. I don't know how he got him out of retirement, man. Something like Sama is <laughs> he stopped doing music for a while. He's still one of my favorite R and B artists. I still listen to his album to this day. Like Drake tried to, you know, Drake used him a lot. So I'm glad Kendrick. I was like, you know what? Um, I forgot what song Kendrick was talking about. Um, the Kanye and Drake thing, but I can't remember the song. It was Father Time. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, that's Father Time. Yeah, that was so transparent, bro. Like he was like, man, I'm not as, you know. Anybody <laughs> got more more maturing to do? Yeah, <laughs> so that was a dope track. I thought the that same the thing shot. though. I literally told I told once I'm like, bro, why did they become friends again? Like Drake was talking all this noise about not forget. He made a whole <laughs> album, two albums about this. Seven a.m. on bridal uh, path. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and they, hey, yeah, you gotta let bygones be bygones. <laughs> I guess so too. Whatever. Um, Father Tom, We Cry Together was one of my favorites, bro. So, so toxic. Purple Hearts. I think a lot of people slept on Savior Interlude, which he was rapping. I forgot Buddy's name. Buddy was Baby Keem. Uh, Baby Keem. That was that was Baby Keem. His voice didn't sound like that. His voice sounded different because maybe he was just really flowing. He can rap. Savior, Savior was a crazy Savior. I yeah. said LeBron James told you this, but he's not your savior. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny. That killed me. Uh, oh, and God. Auntie Diaries was really dope. Yeah. Like he, and then I love the tap that was dancing. A heavy, track, heavy track. In the background for each track. Stop tap dancing mm. around the topic. Yo, that is fire. Because the whole time I'm like, why they got tap dancing in the do do <laughs> 
in the background, he was like, stop top tap, tap dancing around the subject. That was really dope. So this whole There's album, always a theme. There's always a theme yeah, with yeah, yeah, Bro, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying, man. Like you and I I agree to you. I agree with you. Like Kendrick is always gonna deliver. Like, like yeah. we know like Drake is like so generic right now, like his songs. He's gotten like lazy with like his like releases. Whereas Kendrick, he's always gonna like try to give you like a themed album with something new, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, and I and that it. is like that could be like a reason to you know take him out of your number one and then put Kendrick there because mm-hmm. he's just always gonna deliver. He's he's never gonna like he hasn't given us like a, a throwaway project yet. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's one thing I really appreciate about like. Well, I don't so know far. about that. I don't, I don't think Drake has ever gave us a throwaway I, project. Okay, okay. Maurice is low key saying CLB was a throwaway project. No, 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 Okay, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying like. <laughs> I always like Drake's projects, but you gotta admit, man, he's he's gotten lazy on, yeah. on some of the writing. You he has the saying? same formula yeah. over and over. I think yeah. somebody said he's, he's like Marvel have... movies, man. Yeah. What? Oh, come on. Oh, oh wow. Man. Before we <laughs> do the reviews, okay. Before we do the re- yeah, right. Like, dang, bro. <laughs> You're not the host of the show, Reese. That was very good. I gotta set that up. <laughs> but no, he does have a formula that he does. I think what Drake is so great at, he is the master of melodies. Yeah, yeah. That's and then so that's his, that's his thing. That genre. But when Kendrick, bro, his creativity, his bars, his lyricism, like all of that. Not saying Drake doesn't have that, but he doesn't give us, like you said, like a creative album. Yeah. But but, but that that is the thing. Because even, even Tyler, we were talking about that. He said Drake and Kendrick Tim are... It's 50-50 in terms of who's, like, the more impactful artist for, for like, this generation of hip-hop. Because even though, Kend- like, one can do something that the other can't. Yeah, Kendrick sure. can't, make a, can't make a song like 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 Drake does, and Drake can't do, do a song like Kendrick does. But looking at, at both artists, Hugh Maurice, like, in, in terms of why they're so relevant, like, what do you think really separates them? Like, do you think it's the consistency that Kendrick can constantly put out in his albums? Yeah, I think I, I so the thing I, I understood about Kendrick after listening to this album, I was like, I, Kendrick for sure is the better rapper. Don't get me wrong. He is sure. the better hip hop artist. Yes. Um, the difference with Drake, though, is like he has a bigger reach because he is not just a rapper. Right. Of mm-hmm. course, he's a rapper like underneath it all. Um, but he also makes like pop music and pop yep. rap music. Yep. Whereas Kendrick stays in the hip hop lane, he yeah. uh, every now and then he'll like throw in some pop rap. Like Damn was a lot of pop rap, which is why like like I think it's more well received than this album so far. Um, because this album was like getting back more into the roots of like hip hop mm. with some like in- alternative influence and stuff. Um, so I think I think that's where we can separate like Drake and Kendrick. Is like yeah, Kendrick is the better rapper, but I think Drake might be the better overall artist, like, artist. with more versatility, yes. you know? Yeah. Can't put that any better. That is spot on. That's spot on spot right on. there. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, even with with how the album w- was split up, because, th- like, this this was considered a double album, because after Purple Hearts, it goes into Crown, and that's considered the, the second half of the project. Like, to, to you, Savon, like, was, was the first half or the second half of the album, like, w- was that the one you revisited more, or was it just throughout just a consistently enjoyable listen i i yeah i can't say which one was better um i well okay i think mr morale i think the first half of the album was mm, that's was hard mr. Morale the first half because i i kind of feel like he's he switched i feel like the big steppers was the first half of mr morale yeah because he but has, he i really say, do i really do yeah. think that 
He did say, um, yeah. Okay. Oh, good. No, yeah, Reese. Oh, I was saying he has the worldwide steppers at the beginning. In the first half. And then Mr. Yeah. Morale at the end. Is it like one of the set last rounds. Yeah. Man, now we're now we're just yeah, theorizing. We're, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going into a deep. Well, I'm just the gonna say now. the first. Reese is with the big guns He's today. He's with the big guns today. Wow, man. bang bang. Okay, <laughs> college graduate got the big stuff. Okay. So you came out of line talking talk about why you talking about my like that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now the fir- I think the first half was. Better, I think it was more. Mm, I think the first half was more industry based. The second half was more like, yeah, second half was more like, okay, let me get down to stuff I really don't want to talk about, but I'm gonna talk about it. Yeah. Um, but I do think both sides, bro. I I can't say which side was better. Both, yeah, it's so hard, bro. Both sides had the great songs. Good message. It flowed correctly. Production was crazy. I'm surprised Reese ain't said nothing about the production yet, but I'm gonna key yeah. him Reece, in. Right, three, two, production. one. Production. Go ahead, Reese. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who who produced this album? By the way, I heard it was like was it Dr. Dre? He was on it. Ooh, I saw a tweet and someone said that. Do- oh, yes, aftermath. Yep, aftermath. Interscope yeah, Records. Okay. Yep. Okay, yeah. I mean, no, the production was all solid, man. I I actually liked the first half better. Um, it, it, to me, like when I listened the first time, at least, um, the first half, everything flowed together really well. When you get into the second half, it slows down a lot. Um, and it starts, like you said, getting into those deeper topics, which I don't mind, like on listening through like the second time, I appreciated that. Um, I wish he may have like, instead of like doing like boom, bam, he just like mixed them both a little more. Like, so you go from like a fast to slow song. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know if that would have been even better because maybe that's like too distracting to go from like a fast to slow song, like back to back. So you know, I think I think I think one thing I can say about this album is it's gonna age really well. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. People are, are gonna change their opinions quick, yeah. just like they did with Dan. Um, and, and now kind of getting into uh, kind of like just top three favorite Kendrick albums. Um, for me personally, I would have. Damn has really kind of risen up in my ranks. I, I would have uh, Damn, Good, <laughs> Good Kid, Mad City, and Antipimba Butterfly. Yeah. Because I, I feel as though with what he did in Damn, it was it was obviously like a very concise project, and, and it did have hits, but it had some of his most lyrically dense songs. If if you look at at, at some of the key ones, like to you, Maurice, like like what would kind of be your ranking of your your top three favorite Kendrick albums? I agree. I was going through. I was looking at like his previous albums like yesterday. And I really was like, yo, damn, might be my favorite Kendrick project. I'm not going to cap. Like, like of course, Good Kid, Mad City is 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 good and To Pimp a Butterfly. But damn, for me, was just like culture changing. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So I think I think damn for me is my favorite. And then, yeah, I would say like uh, Good Kid, Mad City next. And then To Pimp a Butterfly is third. Ooh, that's crazy. I might have thrown a monkey wrench. <clears throat> so... I'm gonna go good, you know, good kid, Mad City, Untitled, Unmastered. I listen to that, listen to that more than any of his uh, projects. And then this one, Mr. Morale and the Big Step. What top three? Wow! When I tell you from top to bottom, (laughs) bro, like I was so impressed with this, bro. Like literally impressed. It's extremely difficult to put that into song form, especially the second half. Yeah. 
bro, it takes a it takes a marksman to do that. That's some 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 marine type vibes, like Navy SEAL type vibes. You feel like it's extremely <laughs> to it's, it's difficult to put that in form. And you, and I don't know, you a rap, you an artist. I'm an artist. I mean, Willis is an artist too, so we know how difficult it is to try yeah. to put that into an art form and make it listenable, make it engaging. And yeah, it's hard, bro. Like, so yeah, this man. album, like, damn was like you said, was more pop songs, more like, you know, okay, everybody's going to vibe with it. But to say, okay, I'm not going to listen. I'm just going to do this. And it still come off like that, bro. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And, 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 and looking back at this project, like, what would you guys say is like, to you, the unequivocally, unequivocally like best track. Like, there's obviously so many, but Mother I Sober is definitely get, getting a lot of praise as well. But like, yeah. what would you guys say is kind of like the the top track? Like, uh, oh, I go. We cry together, bro. And I say this. <laughs> no, 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 no. I say this because Kendrick snuck in there about female artists. Why do female artists don't feature on each other's track or R&B artists? Like he snuck different stuff into that with mm-hmm. the argument. He was like, she was like, what you talking about? I'm just talking. No, he said, no, I talk your talk. And he's like, he be throwing gems in there, bro. Like that. I love it oh, because yeah. it's obviously the toxin, you know, it's toxin, it's <laughs> realistic, but he threw real life stuff in there about the industry that people probably didn't, didn't hear. So go back and listen till we cry together. Yeah, I'm about to do that. Um, I think my favorite, just based off of the sample alone and and the whole track and the subject, I think Father Time, dude. Yeah, that's when I tell you, yeah, man, that that one right there for me is just his voice is just bro, it's different. Like I don't hear voices like that no more. Yeah, and and just his perspective as a father, also. Yeah, that's yeah. Kendrick Kendrick has grown a lot. And, and now getting into to our next album review with, with IDK Simple. Um, in this new project, IDK, IDK sounded just incredibly laser-focused and came through with, with amazing subject matter. Um, K. Trinata's production is also, you know, very detailed, complimenting what IDK can do. But uh, to you, Maurice, like, like looking over at this project, what, what are some of your thoughts on it and just some of the Santa elements in it? Yeah, man. I, I t- <laughs> When I was listening to this album, I was like, you know what? I never heard an album that sounds somewhat like the album cover, bro. <laughs> that was so cool. Um, yeah, when I was listening, I pictured the uh, album cover and, dude, it just really brought out uh, the sounds. Um, it, it felt very much like um, like an art demonstration, you know, um, inspired by, like, the cover. And I really liked um, that it was... Uh, cohesive, all the production style was super cohesive. Obviously, you said K. Chinata produced like the whole album, so that that's probably why. Um, but yeah, I think um, his uh, his flow on every song, like he delivered, like he never like uh, varied away from like and tried like anything like super experimental or anything. But instead, he just had like really solid flow for every beat. Um, and I think his like lyrics and uh, content was pretty great for each song too. Yeah, definitely. Um. So you say, Von, like, what were some of your initial thoughts on it and just some of the takeaways? Waste management, uh, ECUA. Uh, <laughs> what? Oh, my goodness, man. Yo, bro, this is trash, bro. <laughs> I'm not into these type of vibes, bro. I'm not. It wasn't. <clears throat> I tried, bro. I, it wasn't for me. Like, I almost got, like, I started low-key liking Breathe, and then my, yeah, my ear was like, yeah, nah, brother, turn this off. Turn it off. It was not my cup of tea. Because I thought IDK was a producer. Yeah, for me a long too. time. 
but he's not a producer. That's uh Kai Trada, K Trada, whatever. He's the producer, but IDK is actually the artist, obviously. But nah, this ain't for me. It ain't uh this Doja Cat fans type vibes. I don't even like Doja Dang, Cat. Not Doja Cat. He hates Doja Cat. <laughs> I do not like Doja Cat, bro. She's supposed to be at Hangout Fest. I'll be at Hangout Fest this weekend. And if oh, I see man. her, I'm a tackler. I'm literally going to tackle her. I get beat up for it. I'm a boomer. Like, I'm I'm going to be like the dude with Dave Chappelle. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got to do it for the culture, fellas. Like, we got to. <laughs> Um, but, but in terms of, for you, Maurice, like in terms of any other albums or, or any other artists that, that could possibly be coming up this summer or even later in the year, are there any other artists that, that you're expecting an album from or or al- projects that, that you're possibly looking forward to coming up? Um, A lot of them already dropped, but I was looking forward to the Jack Carlo record, but obviously that disappointed Ugh. me. Under. Was under. Oh, yeah, dude. Very. Oof. Oof. Um, <laughs> 2.9 rating at Pitchfork. <laughs> we got a 2.9. Insane, yeah. bro. Yeah, he should got a one. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I think I think Travis Scott might drop Utopia this year. This summer, yeah. Yeah, this summer. I'm starting to I'm like Travis Scott more. Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm definitely looking uh-oh. forward to that project <laughs> if that comes out. Besides that, you know... Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I if we'll get any more like big projects this year. Um, SZA, SZA. Yeah, oh, SZA's dropping. Yeah, yeah. She's supposed to drop yeah. this summer. Ooh. Oh snap! Okay, I'm definitely looking forward to that then. Yeah, sir. But besides, like, like I don't think I don't know if Drake's gonna drop anything. I don't know if like Cardi is gonna drop. Not Cardi B. Like Car- Playboy Cardi. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's gonna drop anything. So. uh None of the none of the big albums from last year. I don't know if they're gonna do repeats, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward for the Travis Scott and the Scissor Project. Yeah, definitely. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, and now we're getting into our Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness review, and we're joined by another special guest, Trent Morales, a longtime friend of the show, and thanks so much for being back on, man. Hey, what's going on, fellas? It's always uh, always a pleasure to get with you guys and talk movies. Yeah, man, definitely. And to start with the overview, um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is a two, 2022 superhero film based on Marvel Comics featuring the character Doctor Strange, produced by Marvel Studios, and is, is a sequel to Doctor Strange. Um, the film was directed by Sam Raimi, written by Michael Waldron, stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Benedict Wan, um, Michael Silberg, and Rachel McAdams. And in the film, Strange protects America Chavez, a teenager capable of traveling the multiverse, Ramonda Maximoff. Um, had a budget of $200 million and brought in $715.8 million in the box office. And had a, a 74% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but to you, Trent, to start it off, like, what were some of your initial thoughts on this film and just you know how it was just very visually imaginative? Yes, you know, I saw this film open a week, and I actually just saw it today. Um, I, I took my wife to see it because um, she has not seen it yet. And you know, it's it's interesting um, how the second viewing always kind of like takes hold for you, right? Um, it, it, honestly, I don't think too much changed. Um, I think the only thing that really kind of changed from like the first viewing to the second was I picked up on a lot more of the the horror shot elements in this film as far as like how they filmed it in certain ways and things that you see in horror films, like the super close up, like the super zoom in when a door closes, um, the way that the score kind of like feels really eerie and dark, um, definitely picked up on those elements. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely a, uh, 
kind of a middle tier Marvel movie for me. It's not my favorite, um, but it's not. It's definitely not the 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 back of the bunch either as well. I think this is a good film. It's solid all the way around. And here's the deal. I mean, you, you gotta you gotta really love Marvel if you're gonna see Doctor Strange's theaters. It's a uh, Doctor Strange is, is a strange character. You're dealing with the you know you know magic and different thing, elements like that. Um, also, I mean, you have to really appreciate who he is to really get what's going on there. So, I mean, I, I would say, especially too, if you if you didn't watch WandaVision, if you didn't watch Loki, or even What If, you were going to be completely out of the loop in this film. And um, luckily, I have watched all three, so I definitely knew what was going <laughs> on and was not lost at all. But yeah, I mean, I think overall, it's a, this is a solid film. It's good. It's, um, I mean, it, it's basically, you know what you're getting with Doctor Strange and uh, Wanda Maxwell being kind of the title characters in it. Definitely. Um, to you, Maurice, like, what were some of your initial thoughts and takeaways from this one? Um, one thing I realized with uh, this being uh, a, a Marvel movie is, like, when I watched it, I, I realized that Marvel really has a formula that they like to use. And this was the most abundantly clear, like, formula <laughs> I've ever seen from a Marvel Shade. movie. Bro, when I tell you, like, everything was just too predictable, like... I'm like, I mean, okay, look, don't get me wrong. I still enjoyed this movie. Like, I, I thought it was a, you know, decent Marvel movie. Kind of like you said, like a mid-tier, um, lit, mid to oh, dangerously mid-tier <laughs> Marvel movie. <Yeah>. Dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but I think the problem with with uh, with uh it was, like, yeah, it relied on the formula too much in the sense that, like, okay, you have this, like, hero protagonist that realizes, like, their potential, they explore like some dark magic, whatever. Then they turn evil. And then at the end, they realize that they're bad. And then they're like, <laughs> oh my God, I have to atone for my sins. And then you have this <laughs> protagonist, like sub character, like, which is like the girl who didn't know how to use her powers at the beginning, but through the power of hope and Dr. Strange's words, it's like, Oh my God! Now I know how to use my powers in the most crucial <laughs> moment. <laughs> you know, like, come on now, come on, bro, come on, bro. That's so good. Come on, bro. Don't, yo. don't, yo. When I tell you predictable, man, that, yeah. that is predictable. Yeah, yeah. This, this. For you, Savon, what were some of your initial takeaways on, on this one? Y'all, well, listen. I'm sorry I cut you off, brother. The amount of disrespect in this podcast right now is insane. This movie. Was phenomenal. What are you talking about, nah. man? This movie is really. Besides of the formula, I get the formula. If it ain't broke, you y'all can finish that. <laughs> it was a good film, bro. It literally brought a character we finally saw, like Scarlet Witch, at her mm-hmm. like best. Like this is why she could kill Thanos by herself. Type vibes. Yeah. Like if they kept teasing it. I don't know who you are. Like, you took everything. Like, I've been waiting for it to get to this point, and we finally got it. Y'all ungrateful. <laughs> ungrateful. Savar, nobody said we disagree with you. Like, <sighs> we're just saying the movie just doesn't. It was, it, it doesn't, it was mid-tier? It, it's mid-tier. It, yeah. it, it kind of is what it is. Compared to other Marvel Bro, movies. they could have done so much more with her, bro. Based off of what, like, WandaVision, this movie did not highlight the okay it did show like obviously she's beating everybody like from from like dr strange and that whole crew but like it just stopped there like it plateaued and didn't go past that 
when in reality, if you like read the comics and stuff, like she's so much more powerful than even like what was shown like in the movie. Exactly. And it's, it's the fact that like why? they just did it all in one movie yeah. is like they rushed it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't. You didn't really get to see like her go all the way because they forced it into the movie. But I think that's also she's part. She's about to get her own spinoff. She's about to get her own movie now. Well, I think I think that probably plays. Are you sure? Uh, no, that's what that's what they said. That's what the uh, Watchcom said. Is she's about to get her own movie? Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought, okay, I thought that's what I was, it was like a open. It was like a okay. no. They just decided probably like after it was like okay, well she's gonna get like who's it Romanoff? What was her name? Uh, Black Black, Black Widow. Widow. Yeah, yeah. Like she got hers. Yeah. Then yeah, Scarlet Witch or whatever is going to Wanda Maximoff is going to get her own movie. Uh, but I, does I, it take place after or before the ending of this? movie? I don't know what they're going to do, but I know they said she's going to she's going to get her own movie. What mm. which, which kind of if, if that's the way you're going to go, man, I, I'm down for it. But man, right now, and I, I've, I've talked to a couple <laughs> people about this, but Marvel, they don't have a central storyline going on right now. There's, yeah, so, there's so many side stories going on, which I mean, yeah, it, it's true. not bad. I mean, it, it, we're, we're getting to explore some characters that we haven't really seen fleshed out. But I was like, man, okay, what's, what's, what's the end game? You know, what, where is the end game for this face? Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and but I mean honestly, they probably just might just toy around with a bunch of stories because we still got to get X Men, we still got to get Fantastic Four, which was yeah. kind of, which is kind of hinted at in this movie. Um, they didn't try uh, to appease everybody because everybody's saying, "What about these characters? These characters? Everybody yeah, satisfied. It's, can, yeah, it's hard to keep everybody satisfied. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not stick to the formula, <laughs> no doubt. Because yeah, but I do get what you're saying. It is everywhere, like. How many times I got to sit after the movie's over to figure out <laughs> the next movie, bro? Like, wait, I'm tired, bro. Like, I almost feel asleep in this movie. Marvel movies have really trained us to expect end credit scenes. And yes. Just, oh just like in other movies, too, like that aren't Marvel, I literally sit and like, oh, is there an end credit scene? And like, <laughs> no, this isn't Marvel, you know? Oh, oh <laughs> nah, bro, it's just how to lose a guy in 10 days. Ain't no end Oh, man. Uh, but but now getting into our first topic from one of four stars, what would you give it? Uh, Trenton, overall, what, what would be your particular rating for this film? Uh, I'm going to roll with a three on this one, fellas. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just a mid-tier. You kind of get what you, you – you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not a not a top-of-the-line Marvel film for me, but it, it's a good story. You know, it, it's also it, – okay, I think me and Maurice are kind of down it enough, all right? Let's give a little bit of praise, all right? It, it, it ventured to an area that Marvel hasn't touched yet and, and kind of like the horror element and the the kind of the darker side, uh, all that kind of stuff, but still had it still had the same Marvel heart behind it, right? Yeah. That, you know, that, that love is what will win the day at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, if, for me, this it, is a solid three um, and... I'm sticking to it. Mm. I gotcha. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate I, that, I, brother. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, for you, Maurice, what will be be your particular overall rating for it? Yeah, man, I'm feeling a strong two to light three on this one. Um, no, 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 no. But dude, I don't know, man. Even the horror elements, though. Like, obviously, I wasn't scared. Like, it wasn't like a real oh, no, horror yeah. movie. It, it definitely had to like you know, try to incorporate those horror elements for, like, kids and, like, you know, make them scared. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think they just, they tried to do a lot of, like, 
niche things with this movie that just didn't really hit. Like the whole music notes fight scene, that was like, bro, what are y'all doing, bro? Like, That's fire, bro. Come, bro no, 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 you killing me? The bro, little I, I, and the I love that over scene. There. Come on. Okay, it's a fucking train. I love <laughs> that scene. <laughs> I love that scene. way too long, though. It was cool that they did it. I liked it at first. But then I spent five minutes on the scene. I'm like, you know, we did it. Y'all were playing the music. Y'all, y'all composing music live. That's cool. You know what I'm saying? But, bro, they just tried so many, like, niche things like that that just didn't hit, you know, all the way. But, you know, I I, I think I enjoyed the movie. It was it was a fun watch overall, you know, so. Yeah. Definitely. I, I would go with three as well. I mean, it, it did contain innovative action sequences and there was artistic freedom. Um, and, and that kind of bolstered the quality quality of the film. But but to you overall, Savon, what would be your particular rating for it? We going five? Go, going five. Wow, well, it's it. Come on, brother. I'm going to go a four. Four out of oh four. No. You know wow. why? You know why? This is the first time Marvel has with Grayman. They took Omni. They be stealing now. I'll give that. They took Omni-Man scene. Turn it to exactly that. I yeah. love Omni-Man. Like, bro, I love Omni-Man. That's so true. For Marvel to do that, bro, she was whooping, whooping their butt, bro. <laughs> Talking about, oh, he could whistle with wet mouth. That means, yeah, pew. yeah, dude, that was fire, bro. It sounded yeah. like a firecracker. Like, yeah, pew. <laughs> and he was there. It was like that. But I give it a four stars because they, they try something different. So it's not the same formula. Mm, they nah. try some different stuff. It's uh, just different parameters. I tried. <laughs> I tried, but I do like the the suspensefulness, how like she acted her butt off. Elizabeth Olsen acted her butt off, bro. Yeah. Shout out to Elizabeth. She, she does a great job. Yes, yeah, bro, bro. She did a phenomenal job. I mean, Cumber, Cumberbatch, whatever, he's all right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't like how they had a Hispanic girl and she was going through poor. Somebody said it was she was practicing going through borders. And I really oh, did not no. like that, bro. Dang, bro. Dang. And it, it oh, makes sense, no. though. She was crossing different realms. Oh, my God. Hey, Charlie, didn't think about that one. Yeah, they did not. At all. Hispanic girl wow. going through different. Oh, wow. But I'd still give it a four because they gave her an avenue. <laughs> no, no, they gave her an avenue to four, change man. her family's life. So change you think this is life. on par with Endgame and Infinity War? Or better than those? That's what you're saying? No, I'm not saying they're that's better. Saying. No, that's not what you I'm saying. You know the criteria for this raid. You know the criteria I'm... for this raid. When you go to four, you're Wait, don't you do it like that, brothers? I gave it a four because they did something different and it hit for me. And I'm pretty sure it hit for a lot of people, mm. not just y'all, y'all stingy with the stars. <laughs> Y'all dancing with the stars. Y'all dance, yeah. <laughs> Did that go over? Did it? Big step in. We big step in with Oh, big. That's what I'm talking about, Willis. But no, I get afraid. They try to do some different stuff. Elizabeth Olsen did a man incredible job yeah. to like bring that character out more. I didn't never, I never seen her act like that. Like yeah. bring that character yeah. out like that. But I mean, everything kind of jailed. And then Westcom didn't die. I wanted him to die, but he's the what is he, the successor or the grand uh, whatever? Yeah, the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The no, Wayne Wong. Wayne Wong. Wong, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I want him to die. When you yeah. fill out the clip, I want him to die. 
That's funny. Because he's useless. He told, he gave her the information, and then he didn't really didn't do nothing. And old girl died for him. Like, he was getting beat up the whole movie. Bro, come and think about it. He really was climbing the cliff the whole movie. It was yes, bro. Like, like the entire fucking <laughs> You did nothing, bro. You absolutely did nothing. Wow. That's even worse, man. Then he don't utilize his character, man. It just, ah. Uh. No, he's terrible in the comics, too, I think. Oh, okay, dang. Yeah. But, but, but now transitioning to, to favorite character, um, I, I would definitely have, have wanted Maximoff as this is kind of like one of the first character portrayals in the MCU, you know, where we see a good character just going f- fully villain. And this is a movie for Wanda as much as it as it was for Doctor Strange. Um, but to you, Trent, kind of like who was your overall favorite character in this one? Um, yeah, man, I, I definitely think that there's a there's a piece of it um, that is just I mean, I, Wanda has invited us to go along on a journey with her. Beginning, I mean, kind of beginning in Age of Ultron, right? And we're kind of seeing this line. I mean, we, you, you kind of feel her her pain all the way through. I mean, you have like um, Civil War when she commits that, you know, atrocity that kills a bunch of people. Um, and then, you know, of course, Vision dies, um, all that kind of stuff. And then you go through WandaVision and you kind of see the, like the ups and downs of her life and trying to cope with the loss that she has sustained. And it's like, oh man, she's not tapping into her other side by putting a hex on all this town to kind of live out this reality that she wants to live out. And it's like, yo, I mean, I mean, listen, y'all, this was just as much about Wanda Maximoff as it was Dr. Strange, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, yeah. to really kind of continue her story, um, which, I mean, we're not really giving an indication about like what's next. Right. I know, I know uh, Tim, you mentioned that there's probably potentially a movie coming out with her, but we honestly have no idea like what's, what's next for her. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just a, yeah, I mean, we want to see the continuation like with Wanda's. I mean, I kind of felt it like whenever WandaVision ended, I said, well, there's your bad guy for Doctor Strange right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. yeah. If anybody's surprised by that, you ain't been paying attention. So, yeah, um, for sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Wanda, Wanda's great. Elizabeth Olsen has really solidified that as her character. Um, I would say even, I mean, up there with the ranks of like um, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. Like, I mean, yeah. she, yeah. she is a good phrase. Definitely. Um, for, for you, Maurice, who was your overall uh, favorite character in this one? Definitely um, uh, Wanda Maximoff. It's it's no doubt that she was the best uh, actor. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen was the best actor in this film. Um, mm-hmm. And she just really embodied the character and, like, took it, uh, the buildup, um, like Trenton was saying, this whole time from, like, obviously what we saw in WandaVision to even before that. It's been building up to this moment, you know, um, I just wish they like obviously, dude. The the scenes with the the when yeah, like going against everyone, like Omni Man. Like I was like, yo, this is what I this is what I want to see. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm definitely glad we got that stuff. Um, and yeah, I think she just really like embodied the character. I'm curious to see like uh where she takes the character next with like if she does get that solo movie. Um. And or like, see, I thought she like, I thought she like died at the end of this movie. Like, I thought she like sealed herself away or whatever. Bro, um, this is Marvel. You know better than that. Yeah, they're probably gonna put it like in the middle or some like. Uh, Romanoff died in what it was not Endgame, but was it Endgame? I can't remember when yeah. she fell off the cliff. Yeah. Mm. So then they gave her a movie before it was before she went to Marvel. So it maybe when they were younger, I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah. Um. But hopefully they do. I want to see this character expand a little yeah. more. I see that danger. Like, she really, like, more than what she did in this movie. Definitely. Uh, for you, Savon, who, who was kind of, like, your overall favorite character? 
Oh, that's hard, bro. I'm going to give it to Wong, man. I think Wong. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You're going to put the one up, man. No, I think. Him up. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to die so bad. It's You're useless, dude. Time. <laughs> He's so useless, bro. Like, what are you here for? He's talking about it's custom to bow. No, I want to bow to you, fool. Uh, but I think Doctor Strange is my, I think I've, I've, outside of uh, Wanda, I think Doctor Strange is my favorite because. You see the different versions of him, and he has he knows he's the same guy, but he has to be different. Mm. I mean, I guess you could say that's the the same formula, but he has to be different. He wants to do things differently. And then he's doing it, I think, basically for uh Palmer, Dr. Palmer. Um, so I think his character kind of evolved too to where everybody was because he pig-headed or whatever. And then you get to this one, this this realm. He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to save the girl, the young girl that he doesn't know. So, yeah. But then he gets the third eye. And that's not... <laughs> walking down the street like... <laughs> like, it was so funny. I don't know if anybody else laughed at that moment it, when it he was got the third eye. Yeah, dude. Dude, Boy, I was very dumb, cringy. stupid laughing in the theater. The VFX, not good for that. I don't, dude. It wasn't. Oh, it my wasn't. gosh, bro. But it's still a four stars. Hey, hey, Wellington! Before we move on, can, can we can we give a little like a little service to to Marvel playing fan service right now? Like when I saw John Krasinski in there as Reed Richards, I was like, oh, died, are they really going to do this? Are they really going to make him Mister Fantastic going forward? Um, I'm, I'm extra, I, I honestly, I'm more like, I'm more, I'm more. I, I want to see what happens beyond this film, right? Okay. I mean, of yeah. course, we know that, you know, Captain Carter is a thing that I was like, what if, right? Uh, Monica Rambolo is like a what if thing as well. Uh, but mm-hmm. is like Reed Richards a legitimate thing? Like, is he, is that our Mr. Fantastic going forward? Or is he just a variant? Um, like, would you be fine with that, though? I, if he was? Dude, I, would be, I would love it. I would love it, especially because mm-hmm. John Watts recently stepped, out, stepped down as Fantastic Four director. Do you mm-hmm. give the keys to John Krasinski and say, "Hey, this is your film. Direct it how you want. Oh, you wow. can and as, as well." Um, and if you want to bring your wife Emily Blunt along to play Sue Storm, I'd be down for that. That would be dope. Yeah, yeah. I think she could do it. Anyway, I, I, I just want to give you know a, a little shine to Marvel for paying some fan service here as of late, and, and by bringing in characters and different things that we, like, I mean, bringing in Charlie Cox to be Daredevil on Spider Man, love it. Yeah. Bringing in Kingpin yeah. to Hawkeye. Love it. I mean, mm. let, like, let's go. Like, get us excited for what is to coming next. Um, but anyway, that's all I got on that. Um, and, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had uh, Wanda escaping uh, the mirror dimension. Um, also, Wanda dreamwalking, the music note fight, um, Wanda killing the Illuminati, and then Strange and Wong versus uh, Gargantos. Mm. Um, to, to you, Trent, like looking back at this, what, what were some of the memorable scenes or the ones that, that were kind of the standouts for you in this one? Um, so... So yeah, that that scene with the Illuminati definitely stands out. I mean, yeah. number one, <laughs> it, it was no contest. I mean, uh, I mean, she just she just plowed right through him. Just 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 a reminder of like what Maurice said earlier. Like she was, if it would have been for the, the army that Thanos had, she was about to kill that man. Like she was on the verge of killing Thanos all by herself, um, and and. Yeah, I just think that scene really stands out because it just put her power on display. Um, it, even like you know, to, like when Professor X gets into her mind, 
which yeah, that scene was like a, a quick reminder. About yes. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, my that, God. Yeah, that was a good one. Like, that, that, that was, I was going to mention that one. Like that, that scene, like when he gets into her mind, I was like, wait a minute, just, just let's just stand back up for a second. Remember that professor X is not to be trifled with. This dude can get mm-hmm. into your mind and make you think you're a kid. <laughs> like all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, yes. I mean, that scene was pretty incredible. Um, it, it was interesting seeing them bounce between the multiverses, like in that little like, thirty second span. I was like, "Oh, that this is crazy." Um, but even like the, the elements of like showing the different multiverses, that was unique, right? Like, how how would this world look different? Even though there are elements of like elements of our world are in this world, how would it be different, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, just I was going to say, any any scene with Wanda Maximoff flexing her powers, that was a great scene. Um, to, to, to you, Maurice, like kind of like overall, what were some of your memorable scenes and the ones you you, you, you kind of remember the most? Uh, yeah, definitely the the fight scene uh, where she was going against everybody, the Illuminati. Um, that that's my favorite scene uh, by far. Um, then you have the the scene where she initially uh, charges like uh, them to try to find the girl, and she's like, you know, I'm like holding back here, you know, trying to break through the shields and stuff. I thought that was a pretty dope scene. And then lastly, uh, continuing off the Illuminati scene, when she was still chasing them in, like, the, the sewage area, yeah. uh, I thought that scene was really uh, um, really cool, that whole sequence. Um, so, yeah. Definitely. Um, Savon, for you, like, like, what were some of your, your top memorable scenes in this one? All of those, and I'll just give you one more. Um, when America was fighting her, she finally got her powers, and she realized she couldn't beat her. And she sent her to the place she always wanted to be with the kids. And the kids actually was scared of her. They saw her. She was like, stop it! <laughs> and uh, that was really dope. I saw an interview of her talking about it. They were throwing stuff at her. Like, the, I guess, the whoever behind the scenes were throwing stuff at her. And that was her general reaction. She was telling them to stop it. <laughs> I thought that was really cool that she translated that energy into the to the screen. So that scene, besides all the other scenes, I mean, Illuminati was the best one. It really stole that from Omni-Man, like literally For sure. the <laughs> same thing. Like they were in, yeah, bro. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. They stole everything. <laughs> Mom would be stealing, boy. Steve <laughs> so stealing from um, But now I get... Yes. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. Wait. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and now I get into most memorable quotes I had. I remain ungrateful about this universe, even with the tribulations. Um, also, every night, the same dream and every morning, the same nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. Everything I lost can be mine again. Also, just because someone stumbles and loses their way doesn't mean they are lost forever. And then That's finally, um, you break the rules and become a hero. I do it and become the enemy. Uh, that doesn't seem fair. Uh, to you, Trent, looking back at this, like, what, what were some like the key quotes in, in here or some of the standout ones? Yeah, that, that quote from Charles Xavier um, about someone stumbles and loses their way and doesn't mean they're lost forever. That's a great one. It, it, it hit... It hit today. Seeing it a second time today, it really stuck out to me. Um, that yeah, that that's that quote from Maximoff to Doctor Strange, um, just like about about it not being fair. I was like, oh yeah. I, I think at that moment, it's like okay, th- this is not the sweet Wanda Maximoff we've known. Like it is like it is Scarlet Witch uh, mm-hmm. from here on out. Um, let's see. I, I'm actually looking through some, a couple of quotes right now. Um, yeah. I, that scene, this is, you know, that scene in the church at the wedding uh, when the doctor sits beside Dr. Strange and kind of like, you know, it's like, is, was there any other way that, that it could have gone, right? And then the last thing he says to him before Christine walks to the door 
it's like best surgeon, the best superhero still lost a girl. And you mm-hmm. just like saw, you saw like the life leave from Strange's face of like, yep, I'll, ne- I'll never have her. And, and it was evidence in that, you know, it, it, I, through every multiverse he went through, he still lost her every time. Um, and uh, it was sad. Definitely. Um, for, for you, Maurice, c- kind of like what were some of your overall memorable quotes in this one? Definitely um, the you break the rules and become a hero. I do it and become the enemy. Um, and it doesn't seem fair. I think that's like the epitome of like what she had on her mind throughout the whole movie. And like, she's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a superhero. I, I have powers. Let me like use them. You know, she's, she's thinking through it and she's like, oh, it doesn't hurt anyone else besides like myself, you know. But in reality, right. like her other self is another person you know even though it's her still it's like another person so like she is still hurting people she's still hurting her her kids at the end of the day because like they're losing their real mother versus like being replaced by her um so like she she that that quote um was like her excuse for this entire movie um but you really get to see like the um the uh, i forgot what it's called the reasons why that quote is like wrong you know as as you as uh trenton mentioned the scene where she gets thrown into the into the place with her kids and then they like turn against her and she's like you know what's going on so definitely um uh, to you say what were some of the memorable uh quotes in here for you in this one i have two um when sinister strange were talking to wanda saying your children aren't real you created them by magic and she literally said, that's what every mother does. That'd be crazy. Uh, and then the second one was when Reed Richards said, Black Bull can tear you to pieces with one whistle from his mouth. She said, what about? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. That was so good, bro. Because I thought, okay, they're going to uh, they gonna get with her. Nah. <laughs> even even Westcon, she cut her in half. That was crazy. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. And that makes me think she would have... she. Obviously, she should beat Captain Marvel, but like in any, bro, that's any universe, she could beat Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel is supposed to be this powerful being, too. Yeah. I'm like, bro, who can she not beat? Like, she kill everybody. Hey, uh, I, I'll be, I, I won't lie, though. I got more faith in Monica Rumble than I do, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, whatever her name is in our universe. And, and that's, more, that's mainly because uh, I, oh. I, I just got beef with, uh, um, the actress who plays Captain Marvel, I don't think she's good at all. So, oh, Brie Larson, uh, you don't like, uh, uh, yeah, what's her name? Uh, Brie Larson, yeah, Brie, yeah, yeah, get, yeah, get out of here. Brie. I like Brie, get out of here. Brie. I like Brie. Every time I see her on my TV, I'm like, I didn't ask for you to be on my TV. Get off my TV. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, the car commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you have to to me to That's tough, man. <laughs> Um, but but now getting into what did you like the most about the storyline? Um, for me, just how it introduced an, an array of new characters, and then you know there were mm-hmm. some some that were more important than others, but all of them kind of gave the plot what it what it needed to, to, to drive the story home. Um, t- to you, Trent, like looking back at this, like what element in the storyline did you kind of like the most? At the end of the day, you could obtain all the power in the world. You can you can know everything. You can do whatever you want. You can alter reality. Love will win the day. Love for a child, love for a family member, for a spouse, whatever, a best friend, whatever. It will win the day. Uh, and we saw that at the end of this film when America 
you know, basically sets Wanda up to be a downfall in front of her children. Um, and just like how, yeah, you, you, you totally undid yourself. You realized, oh, I can't pursue this anymore. And we saw that as evidence by her destroying the, 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 the book of dark arts, whatever it was. I can't remember what it was called right now. But yeah, at the end of the day, you can do all these things, but love will win the day. And um, it was just on full display in this movie. Um, to, to you, Maurice, like what, what element in this storyline uh, did you kind of like the most? Um, that's hard. Cause for me, since the formula was so apparent, it's like hard yeah. to like, <laughs> it's hard to like point out something that like really got me to like this movie. Besides the fact that, you know, it was, it was the classic, like good hearted feeling and like, um, it was, it was, there were some laughable scenes and stuff like that. I think one one cool thing um, that they did was like exploring the different parts of Strange as well, um, like talking about like his love interest and how like he wasn't able to obtain her. Um, I appreciated that fact, and then how it was like he said the same in every universe, um, and it also applies to Wanda, like uh, how in this universe she lost her kids because of you know the events that happened with Thanos. And that was like the only way that could happen for everyone to survive at the end. So I think it it kind of displayed like the sacrifices heroes have to make um, to be heroes. Mm. Um, to you, Savon, what element in this storyline uh, did you kind of like the most? All of it, man. Just this, this, the whole thing. Nah, um, I do think I love the piece about reflection. Like every character had a point where they reflected on their actions, on life. Wanda had it at the end. Doctor Strange had it when he saw different forms of himself. America saw it when she saw her, her parents, which was very progressive uh, with the two moms. Very progressive. I think everybody had a reflection throughout the film. I think it was mm. just, I don't know, I thought I, I, I liked that besides all the other stuff, but... You know, I mean, I guess that is part of the formula because all the other characters in every other movie have reflections too. But I, I like theirs because it was new characters. I don't know. I think Reese got me all miscombobulated now because he said it was the formula, and I didn't want to look at the formula. I want to look at the beauty of it. It's Reese's fault. It works. It works, man. It works. That's work. But you, you, I'm, I'm like the Matrix. I live outside the Matrix. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get you to see. Oh my yeah. god! I knew about the formula, brother. But you gotta move the formula aside to enjoy the film. So you chose what is it? The red pill? You yeah, chose no, the red pill. I know about the formula. Hey, if it ain't broke, it's all, it's it's all, it's it's all, it's that last Matrix film. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, 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 please no, don't. I didn't even watch no. that. I didn't watch it. No, no. no. <laughs> Good. You, you, you saved, you saved, you saved mother, a couple bro. hours on your life, Saylon. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, bro. Um, but, but now getting into our last topic, 10 years from now, do you still think this will be watchable and intriguing? For you, Trent, off of, off, of, off of two watches, like, what would you say? Like, like, do you feel as though this can be a watchable and intriguing movie another day? Depends on what to do beyond this, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, uh, at this point, you know, it, it, it's. Uh, I always took this question into into consideration pretty as, as well as I can, right? Because I mean, I think it's a legitimate thing. I, I mean, you know, ten years from now, are we going to want to sit down and watch this film, right? Um, and, I mean, there's so many movies that we do on here that are now, you know, like I mean. Goodness gracious, The Godfather's you know fifty years old, and people are still watching it today, man. 
Inception. Yeah. People are still watching Inception. Yeah. Still oh watching. my god! Yeah. <laughs> That's it. There we are. <laughs> well done, Wellison. Wellison, you know? sneak this in high key, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like you know, um, for, for 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 this movie to 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 maintain watchability. Depends on what we get beyond this. Uh, I think that's going to help it really potentially bolster it, or maybe even kind of weigh it down. Is this is this is this going to be like another like dark like Thor Dark World? It's like, eh, it's part of it, you know. I like, but but it doesn't really kind of push out anything that makes it continue to go back and rewatch it. Um, it, it all, I think it all depends on on what happens from here on out. It, it depends on what happens, you know, with this character being introduced in the mid credit scene, right? Um, you know, where she's like, hey, you got to come fix what you messed up. Let's go. So, um, yeah, so it, it, again, I think at the end of the day, uh, it just depends on what happens from here on out. Uh, that will kind of help bolster it or potentially even weaken it. Yeah, definitely. Um, for, for you, Maurice, like, like, what would you say? Like, do you feel as though this, this could potentially be a watchable and intriguing movie another decade from now? Yeah, no, dude, I think that's an excellent question because, you know, I never thought about it with Marvel movies, but since every movie right. relates to each other, right? Like, if you were to show a one-off, you know, film like this, for example, a lot of people wouldn't understand it by just watching the movie. I think with the formula, though, it, it works for you to just watch it alone and, like, understand, like, what's happening. Like, oh, you have your protagonist, you have your antagonist, you know, good, good, bad, bad, blah, blah, blah. You know, I think that is the watchable part of it, and that's what makes it watchable. Um, the question would be, like, why the question would be like why show them this marvel movie versus a more classic like like captain america one or like you know some 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 movie where like characters are being introduced using the formula rather than like a storyline being continued using the formula so i actually think that um besides the the formula being like the most watchable part i i actually don't think this will be an intriguing film and in, in 10 years just based off the fact that you do have to understand a lot um with like wandavision and and other like storylines to kind of like get this movie mm. um Savon, close it out and tell us why this is- <laughs> <laughs> i think we see some of what wanda and scarlet witch could be like you just think about x-men we saw a little bit of um uh phoenix in one of the in, in different both of the X Men versions, the younger and the older one, we didn't see the the like the entirety of that character. I think we finally saw a a bunch of it to where she is. Scarlet Witch is at this top. This is why she could beat Thanos. This is why she swept the Illuminati. Like, I think people will watch it because they get to see the entire well, not full entirety, but a a ninety five percent of who she who she is as a character and what she can do and how powerful she is. I think that's why people would definitely watch it again. But that's a good po- point about the Thor movie. I have not watched it since I watched it the first time. But I think I'll watch this again. Well, Trent, Trent and Marisa, it's been an absolute pleasure having you having you back on and thank you guys for for, for, for doing this again. Man, anytime, anytime. Uh, to, uh, Maurice, Savon, it's always been talking with you guys. Yes, sir. Yeah, of course, man. Good, good talking with you guys. Good, uh, good catching up. Definitely. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm your host, Winter Burns, along my kind of our Save on Morse. This has been Full Scope. See you later.